moments will be lost in time. Like tears. Open your heart and your mind Horniness is on the rise Look inside and you will find Horniness is not a crime Open your heart and your mind, and your mind. Cause the numbers don't lie Observe the nerds who shot a Columbine yeah. An overcrowded nation Leads to sex frustration All your legislation Can't stop teens masturbation Miss Kristen It's a weird one yeah, <laughs> I was. I chose it because um, originally I, w- I was going to do another one, but then because our previous choices, uh, the one I wanted to do was a little close to our last one, year-wise and genre-wise. So I was like, let's skip down the list and, and look for something else that's a little more modern um, that one of us hasn't seen, and I chose Southland Tales. And um, I thought it was pretty apt choice for this sort of day and age. Like looking back at it, it was pretty uh, prescient in some ways. I mean, it came out in wide release in 2007, but played to festivals in 2006, okay. which played to me was <laughs> all the funnier so than yeah. It it got booed at cans. Yeah. Yep. But it takes place in the far off future of 2008. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting for them to put the future only one year forward. Yeah, but it also, it it's sort of like an alt-history, sort of present-day kind of thing. Like, it's future by a couple of years, but then they also go back a year. Or actually, no, by the time it was filming, it would have been 2005 is when they say a nuke went off in Texas, right? Yeah. yeah. So it would have been when they were filming. Yeah, so it's sort of like an old history thing instead of like a far-flung future thing, right? I think it just, it feels more futuristic because of things like the perpetual motion machines <laughs> and yeah. like World War Three being in full swing. Although I would say some of the stuff that seems futuristic isn't really, you know what I mean? Like a, a constant war in the Middle East isn't exactly <laughs> like we're 10 years later from this movie going on. Out yeah. And, uh, uh, it's also weird... I want to point out this very early on, how The Rock is huge, but he looks so tiny in this movie, but he's huge in this movie. Yeah. He is he is physically huge in this movie, for sure. Com- compared to present day Rock, he looks tiny. He looks like a little baby. <laughs> he looks so small. Yeah, he's very small <laughs> compared to current Rock. But he still, like, towers over everybody. I actually yelled at Billy, like, did they make him Tanner for this movie? Or was he always that tan and then, like, every other movie just lightened him up? Because cause he, cause he looks dark. He does. <laughs> it, it's weird because I think when he has hair, he looks darker than also, he Also, his hair does looks he's like bald. it's painted on, which I love. Oh my god, I, I agree. <laughs> his hairline is, like... Perfect. <laughs> While I was watching, I was like, it was a very good choice to shave your head, Dwayne. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it's very. Because uh, the look you were doing in 2006 when you took the eyeliner along your hairline just doesn't work for you. Yeah, like he holds up a stencil and spray paints <laughs> his head on. I thought, like, I really liked his character because I like how they turned The Rock into kind of like a nerd. 
Um, like, every time something scary happens and he just, like, starts, like, tenting his fingers and widening his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's not really the best acting choice, but it's probably the best entertaining choice. Yeah, it was fun to see. It wasn't, he wasn't, um, I mean, I thought he was really, (laughs) yeah, I thought he was good in the movie, uh, but it was, uh, I guess early-ish on when it came to his film roles, right? Mm -hmm. So he wasn't, I mean, a lot of the time these days he just plays The Rock as a personality instead of actually sort of acting, but uh, I still think when he does act these days, he's very good, and, and he was good in this, but you're right, it was, uh. He was, like, making choices that he needed to be a slightly better actor to pull off. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was interesting to see him do that, right? So what were... Had either of you seen this before? No. No? No. I want to say I'd seen maybe clips of it. Yeah. Or I think I had had somebody... And I don't think it was you, but I had somebody that was, like, really into Southland Tales, like, trying to get me into it. (laughs) I remember knowing that Kevin Smith was here. <laughs> yeah, under heavy prosthetics. Yeah. Um, so what were your initial reactions when you watched it, like, once you had seen it? <laughs> uh, for me, I think <laughs> just, like... silence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's it. That is, I think... Like, I'm looking at... First of all... I did not realize this movie was two and a half hours long when I first went into yeah, this it. this is long. Yeah. And uh, that's the edited down version. The, the can cut was apparently an extra 20 minutes longer or yeah. something. Well, I figured that because I'm watching it and right at the very end, there's like just this like nice, like happy dance sequence and Janine Garofalo is right there. And I'm like, are yeah. you in this movie? <laughs> Yeah. She was not in this movie, but there she is, just having a, having a ball. Yeah, she's just beside uh, Justin Timberlake for like a second. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a time capsule. I'm not, sh- like, like, it feels very much like it's a post-9-11 movie. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely where the DNA of this movie comes from. Yeah. But it's just so, like, there's no lead characters... There's hardly an overarching plot. It's just like he came up with these ideas for, like, a new world of the alt-history, and he just threw scenes at it that described what that alt-history would be. I I think it's a very, uh, like you said, it's a very, like, post-9-11, Bush years kind of film. Uh, it's really, like, personal. Uh, like, every frame, you can sort of tell that Richard Kelly is very, very pissed off at George Bush. <laughs> um, and it, it it's very weird. If you look at his filmography, like the ones he wrote and directed, he's only done three movies, right? Yeah. Um, is, because... is this part of that? Is Southland Tales the reason for that? Uh, I think this was... And then he, they, people were like, okay, we'll give you another chance because everybody loved Donnie Darko. You fucked up with Southland Tales. But everybody loved Donnie Darko, so you get one more chance. You're going to make the box. Very simple sci-fi story. Can you make that? And he was like, yeah, I'll make that. But I'll also make it very personal and make the characters based on my parents. <laughs> and make there be weird time-traveling Franklin <laughs> Angelas. And, and then they were like, that's it. We're not letting you have movies. Anymore. We're taking uh-huh. your movies away from you. So I think he's a weirdly, like, a super personal director. Um, yeah. Because, like, literally, the the... The characters, is it Cameron Diaz and James Marsden in the uh-huh. box? Yeah. 
they're both uh, based on his parents. Like his dad was a NASA scientist, um, and it's it's odd because when you see the trailers for the box, you're like, oh, this will be a cool little sci-fi tale. Like Richard Kelly will knock it out of the park, and then he goes and and does something very weird with it, which I appreciate, but. Uh, obviously, everybody else did not because they don't let him make movies anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, I think South and Tales was like his strike one and two. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. So, what were, Incha, what were your yeah. first thoughts when you watched it? Um, for the first 43 minutes, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Um, yeah. for the la- for the next like hour and no two hours, I still didn't know what was going on. But then I was, like, <laughs> and then I like kind of looked at it as like, oh, okay. There's like there's so many film references and book references and Bible references, and I'm just like, are you like, is this like a play on like the Book of Revelations? Did you like completely go biblical with? And it kind of, it does seem like it. Yeah, because... It supports that reading, definitely. Like, I have a note where I'm like, is this just literally an adaptation of the Book of Revelations? It's the whole movie. Like, the whole movie. I think it's like, he took the Book of Revelations, uh, siphoned through all of these other influences, like, uh, Mm -hmm. like, Doctor Strangelove, Brazil, Watchmen, uh, um... David Lynch, even like there's very, it's got a very Mulholland Drive kind of feel mm-hmm. in some scenes. Yeah. But uh, Pulp Fiction, I feel like, is another well, influence e- on this. Eli Roth gets like blown away while he's <laughs> on the toilet. Oh, you know, it's a really funny joke in that scene, though. Um, so Eli Roth gets shot while he's on the toilet, yeah. and then this other guy's getting chased through like the art studio. Yes, I Shoot him, and he lands on a giant like statue of the toilet. <laughs> I, I absolutely noticed hard. the symmetry of that. That was a really good joke. Yeah, it was a funny little joke. There were so many kind of, like, small contextual jokes like that. Like, not even, like, like setting up a joke to make you laugh, but just literally like, oh, here's an angry, murderous cop, and he's played by John Lovitz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the joke. <laughs> There's a lot of, um, like, playing with type when it comes to the cast, which mm-hmm. is really interesting, because, I mean, all the terrorists in it are like saturday night live alumni right (laughs) and uh sean william scott is has a more dramatic role really and uh sarah michelle geller is playing like a pre-kardashian basically (laughs) exactly and like i i was telling amelia afterwards like i did not expect to watch a movie where (laughs) the inconceivable guy from princess bride made out with bay ling yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were there were a lot of a lot of weird disparate actors in the movie. Yeah. Christopher fucking Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in it. He was the uh guy who sells guns out of an ice cream truck. Yeah. 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 I do have to say I like Sean William Scott in this and I didn't expect to. I don't know. Yeah, you know why. When you were listing actors who were going against type and you mentioned Sean William Scott that didn't even like phase me in the movie because he was honestly knocking it out of the park so much in yeah. this. Yeah, like for I, sure. I, I, I th- didn't even pick up on his previous like associations. I'm just like, yeah, you did. like I'm into this character. Yeah, because I mean, like 
around this time he would have just been like Stifler, right? That's yeah. what he would have been known for. But now I'm used to like he has done other roles. Like Goon, he does it's he's got a funnier role in that, but he mm-hmm. also plays it pretty serious at times. Um but he yeah, he was great, right? I think it helps as as much of it is like a a mess of a movie. <laughs> I do think it helps make the end of it kind of land that like the emotional core of the very end is like just him acting against himself and it's yeah. good like it actually works right? I think it... yeah it's like even oh, go ahead no and no, go ahead no <laughs> okay i'll go uh, i think uh no i have no place to say one of you guys go um i think like if this movie like helped anybody have any acting cred it should have been sean william scott like he yeah, was completely. so good and like i read something that said that Richard Kelly casts a lot of these people just because of the fact that he was like, I want to give them like a chance that like Hollywood didn't give them. Like, who Mm -hmm. would think like Justin Timberlake would be like a serious actor? Also, why was he in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but I will say, uh, besides Sean William Scott, he was my favorite. Why? (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was great. The lip syncing music video like in the middle of the movie for the I did like <laughs> that was one of the things fantastic. where I'm I'm literally sitting there going, This hour is the, this movie is two and a half hours long. Do we need a full killer song right in the middle of the movie? Was it not entertaining, Billy? The answer was yes. Yes, we yeah. did need it. And yeah. I think nothing completely dates it in two thousand seven <laughs> as much as that. Yeah. There is a, there are a couple of, there's like, uh, I can't think of them now, but there are a couple of like 2000 sort of uh, pop rock band <laughs> songs that play that, that kind of date it for sure. That, that scene reminded me of, um, that's why I asked you about Across the Universe, Billy, because that scene reminded me of um, the happiness is a warm gun scene. Yeah, okay, for Like sure. if you like just replace... <laughs> that song with like happiness is a warm gun i feel like it would have the same effect not the same effect because <laughs> and if you replaced uh uh heroin with a fuel source called fluid himself. <laughs> it's odd because i planned on sort of explaining the plot of the film more so that if somebody's listening uh, not that there would be anybody listening to this but <laughs> if somebody is so that they could sort of follow along but this is a very bad movie to choose to do that with because uh, yeah the plot is well, very convoluted and very impressionistic <laughs> there's not uh it's open to interpretation but i mean i would say i don't like how how would you sum this up in like a paragraph so i would say that uh a famous conservative actor and his porn star girlfriend uh, become prophets and write a screenplay for an action movie that is predicting the end of the world brought on by a perpetual motion machine that fuels uh, cars and blimps and <laughs> war machines and that the savior, the second coming of Christ is Sean William Scott who's been split into two different people by a rift in the space-time continuum. Oh, that's what that was? <laughs> I interpreted 
the roles a little bit differently because I would say if anybody are the two prophets, it was The Rock and Sean William Scott. And then the second coming of Christ would have been just that random kid with a bazooka. You think so? I think so, because I feel like because they were connected in both going through the rift together. Right. And both coming out being split. Yeah. I, I think they were, the pro- they were the prophets there. I The Rock I is think... definitely one of the prophets because he has a prophecy. I... Yeah, but... I interpreted that weirdly different. Like, with Sean William Scott character, I interpreted that as, like, Michael and Gabriel, I don't know, Bible. Ooh. Ooh. Well, <laughs> you actually, you're probably the, you are the most versed to analyze this movie because you are the one here who is, A, American. <laughs> Thank you. To B, <laughs> knows probably the most of religion out of the three yeah, of us. Yeah, probably, that's sad. Uh, yeah. 12, 13, 15, 20, mm. Shit, I had 18 years of it. That damn. Sorry, I'm, I'm sitting here feeling bad for myself. Okay. Well, that's all right. We're I'm, all I'm sitting like... here feeling bad for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's the tagline of this show. <laughs> Nobody thought. I always like when I watched it and I saw that last scene. I was like, especially since they're split up a lot. That's almost like the, like the the duality of kind of like the bible-ness of it all like the Cain and Abel Mm -hmm. Michael, Gabriel one's good, one's bad and especially since like he kept saying like I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you it's kind of like what, what, you know that's a a bible Mm -hmm. thing yeah Mm -hmm. I thought that part was good even not even on a thematic level but just in terms of the, the superficial level of their characters the yeah. fact that, like, he's one person split in two, and he's literally having to, like, forgive himself and have this conversa- this inner conversation outwardly. Yeah. yeah. I really wanted more of that character. I do wish it had focused a little... Like, I feel like there would have been a more interesting story if it had focused on maybe two parallel stories of The Rock and Sean William Scott, rather than as much of the world around them. Yeah, Sean William Scott sort of disappears in, like, the back half for a little too long mm-hmm. before he, like, stops that kid from shooting himself and then goes to find his brother. Um, so I agree. I think there should have been a little bit more of him, definitely. Uh, because he was also just really interesting to watch. He was very good. And I want to know, like, the relationship. He- like, I want to know more about that relationship between, like, Justin Timberlake's character, the pilot, and him. Like, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And yeah. then, like, all you see is, like, yeah. the letter and then, like, him narrating kind of his journey up until the end. But I'm just like, wait, so where did that fit in with all of the shenanigans that are happening now? Like, give me that story of, like, you guys going to Iraq or something, because that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, that should have been fleshed out a little more for sure. Um, but I did really like... Justin Timberlake narrating it. It had a very um, Starship Troopers vibe <gasps> with the yes! like info screens and the advertisements and stuff. Yes! Yeah, it was cool. But that was like with the info screens and the news headlines. That's where I feel like it got kind of it. W- it was more fetishizing the news cycle and the world he was creating than telling the story. Right. So that was a, that was a bit of a negative. That's a bit of a. A negative I have with it. <laughs> like wallowing in the world he created? Like, yeah. Like, 
taking side trips and and uh <laughs> spending time there instead of like focusing on the main story yeah it it'd be like if the matrix kept cutting away to like the segments from the animatrix like every 10 minutes of the film I... and neo disappeared for the latter half yeah, I kind of agree, because I, I, I was thinking at the beginning when I was watching it, um, even though it's interesting when that stuff's on screen and Justin Timberlake's narrating and stuff, it's sort of, he narrates and that pops up and then like something small happens and then another screen pops up and it starts narrating again. And I mm-hmm. think it would have been more interesting um, because a lot of these like sci-fi, alt history or future stories are more interesting when you're kind of just dropped in and you don't necessarily have all that background and it's sort of just like the fifth element creates a world but it Mm -hmm. doesn't linger nearly as much yeah that also has like a multitude like a multiverse of characters that like you can focus on leave alone and then kind of come back to them and you're just like oh i missed you guy you're my best friend like this one i'm just like i don't want to be friends with any of you (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'd be friends with Bei Ling. Just no. No. <laughs> also, I love that she got drunk after, like, The Rock kissed her. And I'm like, was it that powerful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's just, like, stumbling through the blimp, like, can't even control herself. Yeah. Well, she smelled what he was cooking. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> um, you, you know who else I thought was really great in the movie? Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. She was really <laughs> I really <good>. liked her. <laughs> you know what? I did too, and I usually don't appreciate her outside of Buffy roles, but I think the role they gave her of, like, the porn star entrepreneur yeah. really worked <laughs> for how she played it. She was very funny too. And I agree, I normally don't uh, think of her as a good actress, which is odd. Like, I feel like she's too, uh, I don't know, mannered or, like... I don't know. I don't know. I but I, I agree. However, I think she's fantastic in Cruel Intentions, mm-hmm. and I thought she is hilarious in this. So <laughs> she is a great actress. I just never really think of her as one. Right. Uh, like she when she called the Pilgrims nerds, um, <laughs> and when she said scientists are saying that the future is going to be way more futuristic than they predicted. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. I like the aspect of any time that, like, they're reading through the script that she co-wrote, and any time they bring up God, they mention that the New York, the New York Times said he was dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like her song a lot. Teen horniness is not a crime. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I loved when uh, Frost, or whatever, the guy running for president, when he reads yeah. the CD and it's like, teen horniness is not a crime, and he's like, I never said that it was. <laughs> He thinks that's personally addressed to him. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of funny lines, though, there are a lot of really good lines in this movie. Really ridiculously good. There are. I love, I think one of my favorite secrets, I guess it's not really a line, but when um, Amy Poehler's character, (laughs) like they're doing that fake, uh, like the fake domestic fight. Yeah. And then the guy that she was just like, oh, you fucked him? Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just like so not convincing in any way that he's upset. Just really bad improv. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And why and the, Billy, what was your favorite line in the whole movie though that The Rock says? Um oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's the repeated line throughout the film. Yeah. I'm a pimp and pimps don't commit suicide. Yeah, exactly. 
Although my favorite line, I think, was nobody rocks the cock like Krista now. Well, yeah, obviously. I still really, really like uh, when The Rock very adamantly delivers the line that the soul of a monkey can't survive the dimensional threshold. (laughs) As if that's like public knowledge. Like everyone knows that the soul of a monkey. Yeah, well, it's from his screenplay, right? He's so committed to everything he wrote in that screenplay. Exactly. Not realizing it was prophecy or memory, but just being like super into the sci fi of it. Yeah. Also, really appreciate how it's like Kevin Smith who gives that big exposition dump of how the time travel <laughs> went down. <laughs> well, he and uh, I think he and Richard Kelly were friends, right? Didn't he yeah, do like I think a they, guest? Maybe they still are. Well, they, I don't know. Maybe. Like Richard Kelly. Like I Kevin don't want to. Just doesn't invite Richard Kelly like to do any movies because hello. Did we see this? Well, Kevin Smith yeah. doesn't really have the power to invite people to do movies. <laughs> he does. That's true. Um, what yeah. was your favorite line in the movie, Inch? Um, his fucking dick was 200 inches long. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the same yeah, fight, Yeah, right? I looked like that whole fight was just magic. <laughs> the fight was very, very good, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was terrific. I loved seeing Amy Poehler as, like, a bad improviser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cool seeing uh, Sherry O'Terry as, like, a a villain, too, when she runs down that, um, the rollerblading guy. Yeah! Yes! Oh my god, yeah. that was, that was probably the most intense scene in the movie. Yeah. But I, I, I approve of her actions, because I have a friend, uh, <laughs> his name rhymes with Jim, and sometimes he dry, he rides to work by taking uh, rollerblades, but he calls them <laughs> inline skates. No, he so, does not. So I very much approve of somebody running him down in a cop car. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that, honestly, that scene felt a little Tarantino. Like, in just the bluntness of the action in it. Yeah, where it turns from something where it's, it's sort of still kind of played lightly. Yep. And then it quickly turns into something that's, like, really horrifying to watch. Also, you kind of, mm-hmm. like, knew it was going to happen, but you didn't, like, expect her to. Like, especially when he got out the car and he was just like, she was like, okay, see you tomorrow. Have a good night. Roll yeah. the blade home. Yeah. Drive safely. And then all of a sudden she pushes him out the car and then just goes around the corner. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and she just wails on him. And then reverses back over him. <laughs> he disappears yeah, out of the, the car. the reverse is really where it earns its moment. <laughs> yeah. I think my yeah I'm looking back my note for that is literally just she's hardcore <laughs> right I was actually really sad when she died I was like damn it <laughs> yeah she was cool she was fun to watch I wouldn't want to be her friend oh no she no because she's gonna run you down with her car yeah I think they do some good things in the movie with identity and awareness of self like, for a while, like, like, I was, like, it's a movie that lends to theorizing. And as yeah. I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, is, is The Rock not really Boxer? Is he actually Jericho? Is he his own fictional character? And which makes it really cool when it turns out that, well, he's, he is kind of both at once. Yeah. Like, he's, like, he has split himself, but instead of being in two physical bodies... He has two identities. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that in the film, like duality. Um, and I think a lot of it is 
open to interpretation like most of the movie i mean all three of us came up with like a different interpretation of the ending but i think um uh it's like it's both interesting and makes it kind of more confusing and inaccessible like the rock is boxer santoros and then he's also jericho kane and it's jericho kane is such a wrestling name too (laughs) it is it is very much sounds like a wrestling name Incha, do you have any specific like observations or notes that we haven't talked about yet i i still just i don't i don't i don't i don't understand like I get it, but I, but I, I don't. don't get it, and I'm happy with my confusion. My confusion is sound. I like myself today. <laughs> what was up with the like dance fight of love at the end between The Rock, his girlfriend, and his wife? I weirdly like that. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it a lot too. But yeah. I I I I didn't. I still don't fully understand how Mandy Moore got on board with the everything you know because she seemed it was sort of like there was tension and everything but it was like she was sort of vibing with them and knew mm-hmm. what was going on but i didn't she didn't she it was like there been. was yeah like there was a bit of a scene missing or something where she like got it all of a sudden yeah but it was still very fun to watch it was very a very interesting scene for sure like a lot a lot of the scenes just seemed more poetic than textual like, it was like, oh, we'll do this and it'll have meaning, rather than actually, like, telling a story with its characters. Well, yeah, it was definitely more of, like, a tone poem satire than it was uh, a, a straightforward narrative, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, which was great in certain <laughs> aspects and not so great in other aspects. It was, uh, I thought, visually really good. Especially for having, like, normally CGI from, like, 2006 would suck now. Yeah. But it was it was very um, limited and stylized in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Like, I really like the shots of that, the perpetual motion machine, like, offshore. Yeah. Those always look cool. The fact and, like, they kept in the distance helped. Yeah, yeah definitely, 100%. Um, yeah, I thought it was a very good-looking film. But Richard Kelly, uh, he's... His films are always pretty... He's got a good eye. Mm-hmm. He's got two of them, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, he has an eye Oh, you know it's something we haven't mentioned yet, which is baffling? Uh, the the commercial about the two cars fucking. Yeah, yes! Like... <laughs> that seemed like just an idea he had, that he's like, I'll just put it in the movie. Yeah. This movie can support that. <laughs> yeah. I did like the fact that the rearview mirror said something like it's exactly as big as you think it is or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Ex- exactly as big as it appears or something. Yeah. yeah, then the punchline at the end where I think Jonathan Larroquette says to the the guy running for president, he's like, oh, no, I think that's the European commercial. That's it's okay. <laughs> Jonathan Larroquette was really good. He was really good. He was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have either of you ever seen Escape from Witch Mountain? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, like the old Disney live-action movie. The end reminded me a lot of that. Wasn't there a remake with The Rock? There was, which is why it's, like, kind of weird. Because the old Disney movie had, like, sets of twins realizing that they were aliens, and then when, like, they touched each other's 
hands, then they oh, would glow oh, and they Billy, would rise Billy. up into space. You paused way too long between when, when the twins touched each other's <laughs> hands. <laughs> was very, I was very concerned for like a half second <laughs> because you paused movie. too long. When those siblings touched each other, hands, they, uh... I do think watching it this time, I've actually only seen it twice. I think I saw it, um, uh, shortly after it came out, like maybe 2008 or 9, I saw parts of it on TV, because there were definitely parts I remembered, like the car was fucking, uh, I remember that, and, um, but I didn't see all of it, so then I was like, a, a few years ago... I was like, oh, I should, I should watch this movie. And so I only saw it that one time. And it definitely left an impression. So this was only my, really, my second time watching it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, it, it seems a lot more, like, the thing that sticks out to me is it, it resembling is Watchmen, oddly, is the one that sort of stuck okay. with me this time. Well, I mean, um, it's a countdown to the end of the world, right? Yeah. And, uh it's it's like obviously not as good as like the graphic novel or whatever um because it just isn't <laughs> but uh but it, i enjoyed it in the same way like it it was really cool to sort of immerse yourself in it you know mm-hmm. and i i think i almost enjoyed thinking about it after watching it more than i enjoyed watching it you know what oh I, mean? I definitely <laughs> agree with that i yeah. i liked the theorizing about it and like taking it in more than I would almost enjoy Southland Tales the series more than Southland Tales the movie. Yeah. Well, apparently there's a whole there's like a prequel comics or something, right? Yeah, I know he. I think like he had intended it as like a six volume affair, and I think the movie is like volumes four through six. Oh. So they actually got made. I'm I'm pretty sure. I hear the anger in your voice. I'm so mad right now. <laughs> oh my god, no, they actually got made. You don't have to buy them. I kind of, I kind of want to. I, I just want to. Is that why you didn't them. want them to be made? Because you were like, if they're made, I'm gonna read. I them. just want to read. Like, I just want to know. Like, I, I, I'm all in this just for the relationship between. Sean William Scott's character and Justin Timberlake's character. That's all I want from out yeah. of these. If that can give me it, yeah. I will I will read it. <laughs> so when it when it came out, right, it, it premiered at Cannes and yep. then uh got horrible, horrendous <laughs> reviews. Yep. Uh and then he chopped it down a little bit and it only I think we said it on the last episode, but it, it cost I think I, I wrote oh. down $17 million to Yeah, it cost $17 and million, made... dollars and it only made back $374 and seven No, $374,000. Okay, that makes some sense. I mean, it could have, you know. Anyway, it cost $374,000. Yeah, the box office was $374,000. I read up a little bit about this. Apparently, the week it came out, um, they had lined up. They were like, all right, The Rock is going to host SNL. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar is going to go on Letterman, and Sean William Scott is going to go on Jimmy Kimmel, and that was the exact week that the writer's strike happened. Oh, really? And all three of those shows were shut down so they could do none of their planned promotion for the film. Right. Because it is definitely a film where you kind of need to watch it 
on a recommendation. Yeah. yeah, but I would also say that what's the best case scenario The Rock on Saturday Night Live and Sarah Michelle Gellar on The Tonight Show is going to bring in? Maybe an extra million? That's Maybe? true. <laughs> I, I, I feel like... Know, I, I doubt that Sean... <laughs> I doubt that like Sean William Scott is going to sit down with Jimmy Kimmel and be like, all right, so here's what this film is about, and here's why we're really going to break it down for you, why you yeah. should see it. Like, yeah. he might go and tell a few jokes and show his butt or something, but... What do you think I... happens on Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but apparently it also opened up in, like, less than 100 theaters. I would like, believe yeah. that. In who, the States. Who is so... distributing it? I don't know. Um, probably Richard Kelly by hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> theater to theater. Riding the rails to each theater. <laughs> Please, I, I will trade you a print of my film for a nice warm windowsill pie. Oh my god. <laughs> How many pies are these theaters, baby? Uh, enough to feed a hungry hobo. <laughs> All right, is there is there anything specifically that we should be pointing out here in terms of the score, the songs used or like the the cinematography? Are there any beautiful shots in this film? Um, yeah, I think there are some. I think, uh, there's a tracking shot when everybody's in, or most of the main characters are in the blimp, and there's a tracking shot that, like, goes all through the party and stuff, that Mm -hmm. sort of gives you a sense of where each character's at, that I think, I was like, oh, they should have done a couple more of those throughout the movie, and it would have sort of held things together a little more. Yeah, to show they were all in the same universe. Yeah, I, I also like the, any shot that showed the thing... The perpetual motion machine in the distance. Um, and score-wise, there were a few really good songs. I think w- the Moby song that's like at the end or something. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that. That's what I would say. For me, there was a shot in... Where were they? It wasn't like the White House, but whatever Senate building they were in or just their estate. And it was a very like flat-on shot of all the senders and aides and stuff around the table and it was a very last supper shot i really like that shot when they were like doing the exercise and it was like all the people at the desk were just like going one way and going the other way and it was like that um Mm -hmm. tracking shot of just like going zooming in on like the main person in black and then like everybody else was in white in their little cubicle i thought that was really cool like a yeah. Oh, yeah, um, Miranda Richards. Yeah, right? like, I don't know why I yeah. thought... who it is. I was trying to remember her name. <laughs> like it... Yeah, she was in Sleepy Hollow. Oh, she was! Yeah, she was great. Like, I... She was cool. I also liked when, uh, uh, Will Sasso kills... Or the person with Will Sasso kills her, and, like, the screens behind her all turn to blood or whatever. Yeah, that was really cool, too. Yeah, the monitors. I actually yeah, kind of like any show. shot with her in that room, because I think that probably was like the first time you see her and like she's sitting down in the chair like with all the monitors around her it was kind of mm-hmm. cool to just be like well we're gonna see her here from now on that's fine <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 she was neat i wish she was used a little more yeah but and uh, you know what that's what where i didn't mind seeing all the screens and all like the worldly information on the screens because it worked organically within the scene I didn't need to just be taken to, like, my own little computer monitor where I'm watching the news. To be fair, Billy, <laughs> this movie has exactly what you like. 
It has characters played by actors. <laughs> and it's based on a story. So this should have been right up your alley. I don't even know if it has characters played by actors as much as it has actors acting in ways they normally don't. That's kind of what I think. <laughs> what? Next you're going to tell me they wrote down the words they said. No, those were already written down. They didn't write them down after they said them. <laughs> Why am I writing this whole podcast? <laughs> I, I don't know. I will say, you, I remember when we used to joke about, uh, in Sleepy Hollow, how Christopher Walken wasn't acting. They just released him out of his trailer and he would run around the woods <laughs> like a psycho with his shaved yes. teeth. <laughs> anyway, that was a nice little trip down there, really. <laughs> I was like, was there a follow-up point to that? Or you... No, it's just because we mentioned Sleepy Hollow and then we mentioned actors playing parts or whatever. And I was like, oh, I remember when we joked about that. Good oh, times. Those were good times. Back then in the good old days when we hadn't seen this movie yet. <laughs> back, back in 2007. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's one more thing that I like a lot. I like that Star Spangled Banner song by Rebecca Del Rio, who was in Mulholland Drive, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was a yeah. nice moment in the film, too. I liked how it kind of brought things a little more down to a lull. There was a, there was a tension to that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't know what to feel. I liked it. I did like it. I feel like if I ever watched this again, it would be like one of those first date movies. It's like, here, you want to date me? Watch this first so you know how weird I am. Yeah. <laughs> This will give you everything you need to know about right. me. Incha. Check this out. Insha. What? I know why you're single. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rudest thing ever. No, that's, this is exactly anybody. why I'm single. <laughs> I watched David Lynch, David Cronenberg, um, this, every, everything else under the no, sun. No, it's cool that you watch that. It's that your first date is like, hey, let's watch Southland Tales. You know what? If they can't handle it, they can just go. Yeah. If they can't handle me at my Southland Tales, they don't deserve me at my Mulholland Drive. <laughs> I feel like that's the opposite of what's funny. I feel like they should be reversed for some reason, but I don't know how. Um... I will probably rewatch this film again in future, but I'll probably try and do it in smaller chunks. It was overwhelming to me to sit there for two and a half hours when it meandered so much. It I does would seem like it that. would. Yeah, it does seem like it would lend itself well to uh, watching it in like fifteen-minute intervals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, increment increments. Yeah. How about how about you, Michael? This was your second time watching it. Now you were the one yeah. who introduced it to us. Do you feel proud of that? Are you happy with <laughs> what you you've feel done? Proud of that? I am extremely happy that I made you guys watch this. <laughs> um, I think, like I, I was telling you earlier, Billy, that my feelings for the movie the first time I watched it are pretty much the same feelings I have now about it, except I have stronger feelings. In that the things I liked, I kind of love now, and the things okay. I didn't like, I kind of hate. <laughs> Right. So so I think uh I would definitely watch it again. Um 
not like tomorrow or anything, but in a year or two, maybe I'd check it out again. But it's, uh, it's like, uh, I can't fault a movie that does its own thing. Like, very few movies could you compare to Southland Tales directly. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's swinging to the fence line the entire way. And I'll take that any day over, like, something super safe and basic. So it gets points for that alone. dinosaur film with is it denise richards and paul walker where paul walker dies and his brain gets put into a dinosaur that was a dream no no that sounds familiar that sounds like a thing that did happen paul walker as in like fast and the furious paul walker r.i.p yeah tammy and the t-rex tammy and the (laughs) t-rex that's the one that's the best 1994 a teen learns that a scientist implanted her dead boyfriend's brain into an animatronic dinosaur. Man, imagine if they did that to the real Paul Walker when he died. <laughs> That'd actually been really cool. How great would Fast 8 have been if, if part of the team was like a giant mechanical dinosaur? The Jurassic and the Furious. Right? That would be amazing. Yeah. I wonder if that happened. I'll watch another, like, Fast and the Furious movie if they put, like, a sassy animal in it. <laughs> they should just, they should just do that. And they, they have enough of Paul Walker talking. Just put a, a mechanical dinosaur in it, use Paul Walker's voice clips from other films, and say it's his character, and boom, bang, you've got, like, a $8 billion worldwide box. Exactly. I would also accept a ferret or a red panda, because those are cute. And a dinosaur is very cute, too. Like, if you do a raptor, ooh. Not the what dinosaur better... from Tammy and the T-Rex. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, now. no, that thing is horrifying. But just think, like, a raptor. Yeah, I'm into that. Or what's that other? Oh, my God. What's that other one? What was little? What was little tooth or whatever the hell that was called? Uh, Land Before yeah, Time. Yeah, what, what, like, what was that was little tooth? Littlefoot and the Patasaurus. Yeah, imagine that in a in a yeah, Mustang. I do. <laughs> I just think, I think we should do it, you know, Jurassic World style. Like you get Vin Diesel on a motorcycle riding with the Raptors. 
In Triple X Return to Xander Cage, Vin Diesel rides a dirt bike uh, like it's a surfboard. He rides it out onto the water and like surfs with it. But imagine that, but with like six raptors behind it. That would be the skiing, ball. and they're in like a pyramid. That would be <laughs> <laughs> There's your movie. <laughs>